you're on. Welcome back to So Every Soul Sings Worship for the Real Church. I'm Bethany Pedigo, and I'm here with Rod Ellis today. We are so excited you guys are joining us today for a conversation about words, which is my favorite. I'm a words person. I love words. I actually majored in Spanish in college because I love languages, and I love the meanings of words and using them correctly. And a lot of words are very specific to certain cultures. Um, and when I say cultures, I, I kind of mean all kinds of cultures. Right. Different churches have different cultures. Different age groups have different cultures. For example, I bet you don't use the word yeet. I don't. It sounds like it's yeast <laughs> missing an S. Like somebody that can't quite talk uh, about how to make bread. What What is yeet? I don't know what that is. No, it's just, it's a... <laughs> My children would say, it just means cool. Like, yeah, eat. Like, okay. Funny little word, but I you don't use so it. Old. I don't use it. It's a, yeah, exactly. It makes me feel <laughs> old. Thank you. I'm not alone. Yes. Um, yes. Another word which I love is the word church. And when I was in what I call my home church, where I was mm-hmm. a worship leader, in college and for many years after college, my pastor never referred to our church building as the church. Hmm. He always called it the building. He would say, we're having this meeting or this home group or this special event at the building. And that meant our church building, but he never called it the church. Why do you think that is? Because he so deeply believed that the church is the people of God. It is not a building. We don't need a building. And maybe, you know, if you're still out there in pandemic quarantine world, you need to hear this today. The church is not a building. It has never been a building. We don't require a building to be the church. The church is the body of Christ. We are the people of God, the church of God. Yeah, and it's that we thing that is what prompted today's conversation. And it's it's fascinating to me, um, having done worship ministry now for decades, how many times through the years people have described for me what they consider to be when they are most worshipful is when they feel most alone in a worship mm-hmm. gathering. And I'm not sure that's the way the Bible would describe worship. I, I actually think the the Bible would talk about being far more integrated than that. And that the time we might most feel alive in Christ in worship is when we feel most connected to the people around us rather than least connected to the people around us. So in, in, uh, in trying to come up with a clever name, which I don't feel like I did for this particular content, I I just (laughs) call it body worship. And, you know, not like I'm going to worship somebody's body or certainly not my body, but it's not that it's that the, (laughs) it's that the body does the worshiping. And and this is um this actually I think is more important than it appears at first glance. And so I, I hope that we can get to some of the reasons why it's more important in our time today, and that the listener will come to understand its importance and maybe even start a whole new little piece of so every soul sings tribe that we really are a people who want all of the souls to be singing together, not at the same time. There's just a difference in mm-hmm. worshiping by myself with other people and worshiping 
in a community of other people. And again, I just, I feel like the Bible is so clear on this and our rugged North American individualism is so much winning the battle between the conversation of, am I most worshipful when I feel most alone or am I most worshipful when I am most connected? So yeah, let's, let's see if we can figure some of that out in this mystery of language. You said the Bible, uh, speaks to this uh let's start with ephesians chapter Mm. 5 verse 19 it says speak to one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs to each other doesn't say all everybody say the same thing at the same time we sing we make music in our hearts to the lord to one another and with one another yes there is a, a horizontal dynamic to worship. It's from God to us. It's from us to God, but it's also from us to one another. So I, when I teach that concept, I use an equilateral triangle. Like not all of those sides are equal, but they are all of equal importance. God um, reveals himself to us. And in response to his revelation, we give ourselves to him, but we really do it together. There is a community aspect to it. And if you grew up in a church that has a really isosceles triangle approach where the bottom is really skinny, there's not much emphasis on community. When you walk into a church that has that, it feels foreign to you. And to the people I've talked to who come from really hyper liturgical, formal, um, low emphasis on community places for them, it's almost like something wakes up inside of them that they didn't know was dead. And it's that sense of the fact that we do this together. And some traditions will flatten the triangle. And so the community becomes far more important than how high and lifted up God is. And that's not healthy either. So I really think that whole one another piece, sing to one another, speak to one another, encourage one another. You said Ephesians. I, in my head, immediately went to the first part of chapter four, which talks about making every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, finding yourselves together mm-hmm. with peace. Um, we, we, we often do things in worship, plan things in worship and execute technology in worship in such a way that we actually distance ourselves rather than keeping ourselves united. And I, I just want to remind worshipers and worship leaders that um, we're probably missing out on God's best for us when we, when we think that way about worship. For example, if you, as a worship leader, have a five song set, for example, and mm-hmm. all of them are brand new songs that mm-hmm. your people don't know, you have hindered them from being able to unify with you in that right. moment. That's just yes. an example. Yeah. And in that same example, if all of those songs have personal pronouns like I, and me and my, and they don't have um, the, the pronouns third person, we, us, uh, then, then we're still communicating the same thing. It's, it's as if worship is designed for each of you to have an experience with God, not for all of us to have an experience with God. And again, in, in the United States, that's just the way we do things. We, we live and die <laughs> by the beginning. Our, Yeah, our Apple Music playlist or our Spotify playlist that are custom to what we want. And and it's just the way, you know, we will go to a restaurant. We want a special order, whatever is like, instead of this, can you give me this? Well, in worship, that's just not communal. It's it's not corporate. It's not the way that the church was designed to be carried out, to be lived out. And and one of the things that I've probably said on our podcast before, Bethany, is that... um, 
<laughs> that most of the times in the Bible you, you see the word Y-O-U, you, that it really should be y'all. <laughs> yes. Except they didn't grow up in the South. I mean, maybe the South is something, but they, not the South like we would say y'all. But really, about I, I've heard 80 to 90% of the references in, in Scripture to you are plural, not singular. Mm-hmm. But all because you. we live in the United all States. Y'all. Yeah, all y'all. Yes. Um, use, use was another one uh, where I grew up, <laughs> which I just thought was the weirdest thing ever. But um, yeah, and in the United States, we don't think that way. We're not made that way. But I remember being in Africa a little more than a decade ago. I was in East Africa, Tanzania, and I got to attend three or four of the like normal church services of the folks there, and it was incredible. I still have the voice memos on my phone. I love it so much. But one of the things that struck me was the way that they were, um, they were like a body, and different pieces of the body did different things. So there was kind of an MC of the service. It was in all the services I went to. It was a woman, which I thought was really cool. Um, and she just kind of walked the whole church through the whole gathering. But then the children's choir would get up. And I thought, oh, a children's choir. I know what that is. That's, you know, 12 to 30 young people, elementary school age. They'll line up in rows. They'll sing a song. And then we'll all be very grateful for the offering they made in worship. But no, it was nothing like that. They acted out. <laughs> as they sung, as they sang, they acted out the song that they were singing. And so this one was about the little girl that was raised from death to life. And so there was a little girl who was laying on the floor and some, they're singing this story in Swahili. I don't understand a word, but I know exactly the story because I can see it acted out. And this little girl dies and, and tears are streaming down her face. Like for real tears, I have a picture on my phone and there are little tear stains on the concrete where she laid down. And then Jesus comes and raises her. To, she, he, she, he says, Talutha kum. Talitha Kum, uh, and and she stands up, and they had this celebration. I mean, the children's choir enacted, sang, danced, and they danced. I mean, they danced, danced, danced after that. It was incredible. And then the youth choir was their turn. And so, again, I'm thinking, oh, these are youth, so they'll be older. They'll be more – no, they just did a different story the same way with a little bit more instrumentation. I think they had like a little drum circle, three or four drums, and it was just – it was totally different, but it was still the same body. And then – the, the MC of the service, uh, the cantor, the, the person who was going to walk us through, um, said, let's sing. And so they sang How Great Thou Art in Swahili. And everybody sang from the depths of their gut. It was incredible, the volume and the fervor with which they sang. Um, and just all of the pieces were just parts of the body doing things together so that it never, ever for a moment occurred to me in that culture that I was in a worship service having an experience with God. I was in a faith community and we were having an experience with God. And it was so much more, I don't even know the word. It was so much more (laughs) energized, um, connected, powerful, absolutely connected than what we have in the United States. And that's one of the ways that the African culture is different from the American culture. They do things together. The phrase that Hillary Clinton made famous, it takes a village came from an African proverb, Mm-hmm. And and we just don't worship that way, at least not usually. And sometimes we go to great lengths to make sure that we don't worship that way. And that's that's really kind of what raised my attention to addressing this today. <laughs> well, you used the word <laughs> earlier, corporate. Uh, I have kind of grown up in the faith using that word to describe worshiping together in a church setting. But a lot of people, you know, going back to the whole culture, 
and how mm -hmm. different groups use different words, a lot of people don't use that word at all. Uh, when they hear corporate, they think business, large business, impersonal, evil yes. business, maybe. Cold. Yeah, yeah. I think cold and, and business-like and secular. But the yeah. word corporate, I, I learned this um, in some reading I was doing last week. The word corporate comes from a Latin word. I think it's corporal, um, which means the body. So literally, the, the word corporate means what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 12. It, it, it actually is the same word. When Paul says that we are the body of Christ, he's describing corporateness, at least according to etymology of words. And, and again, I get that there's a, a, um, a what cultural association with the word corporate. And I'm not saying that you need to go redeem that word and start using it in church. Our church doesn't care for that word either. So I don't talk about corporate worship. I talk about gathered worship. I talk about communal worship. I talked about the community at worship, all those kinds of words that are more friendly to my context. But I, I think it is essential that we remember that corporate worship or communal worship is what Paul described. First Corinthians 12, the, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? The whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I love this so much, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. Yep. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And, and it goes on, and I think this is important. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And immediately when I read that passage in context of this conversation, I thought of those children in Tanzania yes. Who would ever have thought that a nine-year-old girl laying on the floor with tears streaming on her face would be something this big American white boy would remember 11 years later? But I remember it like it was yesterday. The, the parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable as, are those we clothe with the greatest care. So carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more, horrible, the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together. God has put the body together such that an extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony. Oh, don't you love that musical reference in there? This makes for <laughs> harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. So, yeah, First oh, Corinthians 12. It's one of my favorite passages. That? New Living Translation. What? New Living. NLT, yeah. Which is what I use because it's what my pastor uses. Yeah, in the NIV, it doesn't say harmony. It just says that there should be no division. Yeah. So, it's interesting. The New Living puts it in the positive. Like, right. the opposite of division is harmony. Yeah. I love that. I do so enjoy comparing translations. It's one of my favorite pastimes. I know I'm geeking out. So in in reference to geeking out 1 Corinthians 12, um, I would just say one of the, 
dangers I see in worship today. And I don't like talking about this stuff. I'm a positive guy. I don't ever want to point out the negatives. It's a shortcoming of mine. So bear with me. I'm not going to do it well because I don't do it often. But one of the dangers I see in worship in our day, at least in the United States evangelical church, is something I hear often. I just want to close my eyes and imagine that I'm the only one in the room. And I've had people Mm -hmm. say that to me probably 10 times in the last six months. Or I want the room to be dark so I don't have to worry about people seeing me. Mm -hmm. Or I'm afraid of what other people will think if I show on the outside what I'm feeling on the inside. And so in our fear, oh, this is so heartbreaking to me. In our fear, we withhold ourselves from one another. I, I don't want us to withhold ourselves. I don't think God wants us to withhold ourselves from one another. If I'm withholding who I am from you, then we will never have the kind of spiritual intimacy that the Bible calls for time after time after time. The one another's of the New Testament, you know, different people translate it differently, but at least 35, 40 times the one another's. You can't one another one another if you create distance between one another. And so I I just, I want us to find ways to minimize the individualization and maximize the communal nature of worship without losing the individual. I mean, Jesus really did die for each of us. He just died also for all of us. And having both of those at the same time, uh, my mind is exploding with too many things to say. So forgive me. I'm, I'm being a little scattered. I've been reading for school. Um, I go to class in a couple of weeks. And so I've just been cramming. I've read four books in the last week. And two of them had so much to say about this particular topic that it was so bizarre that last week, I had been having this conversation with people in our worship minister at Woodburn around the Holy Roar book study that we're doing. And many of these topics came up. And so I wrote this content. And then I started reading for school and it was like time after time after time, people saying more and more of the same thing that we, we withhold ourselves from each other. The goal of a faith community described in the new Testament is spiritual intimacy. We've talked before about prayer and about James five and confessing to one another and how that cultivates that sense of known and uh, being known and, and knowing but when we close ourselves us from when we close ourselves off from others, we close ourselves off from others. It's like the eye saying, I don't need you, and the ear saying, You don't need me. But God made us to need one another. And so I I really need this. And maybe it's a deficiency on my part, but when I look out at our congregation, um, Bethany, when you're there, which you get to be every few months, when you're there and I look at it and I see you um, and you're worshiping or your children are worshiping, it does something to me. And I think it does something to other worshipers too. And so I need to see that from other worshipers. And I think other worshipers need to see that from me, not because I'm special or different, but because I'm a part of the body. And when we show ourselves to one another, then we know each other. And when we know each other, oh my goodness, I crave so much to be known more deeply than mm-hmm. I am. And I know I, I crave to know other people more deeply than I do. And I, I don't think that's unique to me. I think that's all of us. We just don't talk about it much or we don't talk about it well. And we hide in the darkness or in the quietness or in the stillness of the or way in that the we, loudness. Yeah, absolutely. Turn up the music so loud that nobody can hear themselves singing. Right. Yes. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in an upcoming podcast with Pastor Tim Harris. I can't wait. So um, yeah, God made us to need each other. And so I need you to worship on the outside like you feel on the inside. I want to see your joy. 
I also want to see your sorrow or your lament. I mean, the point is, I want to see you. And, and Bethany, I don't just mean you. I mean, everybody who's ever in a room with me. Like when, when I'm leading worship, I want to see people's worship. And I don't mean that I want to see them worship in ways that are foreign to them. I don't want somebody who is not a hand raiser to raise hands. I'm not talking about that kind of dem- demonstration. I'm talking about what I see in their eyes, what I see in their faces, what I see in their action of any kind. Um, you know, some of the most powerful moments for me as a worship leader are when I look out and I see a, a congregation worshiping and I see somebody who's struggling to sing, but they can't. It's not that their hands are up in the air and their head is reared back and they're belt, belting it out. I mean, that's beautiful. And I love that. I mean, the mom who buried her son and, and we're singing how great thou art and she can't form those words yet, but she's trying desperately. Oh, what that does to my heart for her to be willing to be seen like that. And if we turn the lights down, and I'm not saying we should never have low lights. I actually think we should at the right times and in the right moments. I think we actually should turn the lights down. But in general, I just don't think we should hide from each other. And in fact, we should influence each other. I want to be influenced by the people around me. And I, I guess it's selfish, but I want to influence the people around me too. I want to be influenced by the people around me. And I can't do that if I don't see them or hear them. And so I, I just, I feel like this whole worshiping as a body thing, it isn't just because the Bible says that we're supposed to be community. It's because it's how we are made more like Jesus. It's how we're encouraged. It's how we encourage. And so I want to, I, I was saying this to one of our small groups. I'm going to shut up for a minute shortly and <laughs> let you talk. I'm sorry. Um, uh, one of the small groups that we're we'll going see. through Holy Roar. We'll yeah, see. I know. I, know. <laughs> but, um, I, I said to them something like, um, I want every one of us in the worship ministry, whether we're on stage or off stage, I want us to be generative. I want us to be life-giving. When somebody sees you worship because you are demonstrating on the outside what you are experiencing on the inside, only integrity, no exaggeration, no deception, but only with integrity. When you are worshiping on the outside, what you're experiencing on the inside, then you are going to be giving life to the people around you. And that life to me is the life of Christ that's in you, the hope of glory. So anyway, there you go. There's the end of my rant. But oh my goodness, I'm so excited about this. And I want people to I want people to hear not just the passion, but also the depth of of what I think is it could be life-changing for a church. I mean, can you imagine if a church that was stuck in their worship and let's say they had a hundred people in the room and and five of them committed to to doing what, what we just described. Can you imagine what a difference that church would experience in a, in a year's time, a month's time? I mean, it would be life-giving, wouldn't it? I think they would all be surprised because I, I feel like the concept that you and I are talking about, most people in congregations don't think of. And unfortunately, a lot of worship leaders also don't think of. They They see what they do as as completely different from what the congregation does during that time. Mm. And you actually touched on it. I I was really wanting to get to some specifics, even though this can probably be fleshed out in a million different ways in whoever, you know, whoever's listening to this, whatever your particular place is, but Mm -hmm. uh, lighting and volume of the music, for example, were two very specific ways to help, help people see each other, like actually literally see each other and hear one another. But you also touched on it earlier when we were talking about 
I believe it was your manual or you talked about lowering the stage and raising mm. the pews. Yeah. Yeah. And if, was that the name of that podcast? So I'd like I to encourage called, people. Yeah. If we ever get show notes typed up and I'm hoping that happens in the future, <laughs> we can put that in the show notes for yeah. you know, someday coming. Uh, I think it was called lower the, lower the platform, raise the yes. seats. Yes. You go back and listen to that podcast because that is exactly what you're talking about, that those on mm. stage are not actually up above the people that they are leading, and the people right. in the congregation are not actually below those on the stage. They're not farther away from God or anything like mm. that. When we engage in this corporate worship, in this body, communal, gathered worship together, we all affect one another in ways that is almost impossible to quantify but it's incredibly important. Incredibly yeah. important. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if you can categorically say we do. I think we can for sure. And I would even go so far as saying we should. I, I don't like to use should. I, I think should is a guilt imposing word. And so I don't, I don't use should very much, but I, I think in this case, I would say that we should, we're supposed to be life giving. It, it is a part of having Christ in us. He's the giver of life. And so if we're walking around with the giver of life inside of us, we probably ought to be giving life. So I feel like we should do that. I'm, I'm not sure that I can guarantee, however, that other people in the room will be affected the way that we're talking about the way that they could be affected. You know, there, there are so many reasons for that. I mean, people have cold hearts. There are unbelievers. There are people who are so wounded that they can't be that kind of vulnerable. But for those of us who have experienced healing, then maybe it's time for us to go first and to just say, okay, I, I have been hurt before. I've even been hurt in the church, but I'm going to choose to be seen again because the only way I can have what God intends for me is to be open. I, I can't close myself off to the people around me and at the same time be open to all that God has for me. And, and that statement is true in a thousand ways, but it's certainly true of what happens when we gather for worship. Absolutely. It's, it really is amazing. I, I think I've talked before about atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, you can sometimes feel the atmosphere of the room change because one person did something Absolutely. that other people saw, you know, yeah, like, like that's the power. Right? Yeah. And that's yeah. the power of, of outward focused things or, or maybe not outward focused things, but things that you can actually see. And we can see through, all throughout the scriptures that God asked people to do things outwardly, like march around Jericho, like wear, you know, animal skin and lie on their side for a certain period of time. Like the prophets in the Old Testament did all mm -hmm. kinds of things that other people saw, but it affected everybody who saw it. That That's the way that God made us. We are made to interact with one another this way. Yeah. I want to, I want to give a negative example and I don't like to do this very often, but I don't think anybody will remember this or know where it comes from. So here's a negative example. <laughs> a church I served in a very different city a very long time ago was having a little bit of an internal struggle with, is it okay to raise your hands and worship or not? And there was a member of our congregation who was very convinced that it was okay and so in one particular worship gathering, I looked out and saw this person with their hands raised up, but they were doing it 
out of defiance to the rest of the congregation rather than out of intimacy with the Father. And it was so evident by the look on their face and the conversations before and after the service. And I just, I, that's not what we're after. We're not, we're not talking about showing things to make a point. We're talking about showing, make it, showing things, showing yourself to make for connection and relationship. It, it really is what God wired us for. We're supposed to be in relationship with him and relationship with each other. It's one of the reasons why I think we experience or allow brokenness in worship gatherings, which hinders the potential power of our worship gatherings. Because if we can, if we can maintain our brokenness, then we can maintain our pride. If we can maintain our brokenness, then we can continue to not be seen and not try to see. And and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this. Goodness knows um, I am not. I have not been. Um, and, and it's a place where I want to do better. It frustrates me whenever I look into a crowd and I see anybody that I am not in in really wonderful relationship with in the moment. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to lead worship. It's hard for me to not just say, okay, God said, put down my offering and go fix it. I've tried to fix it or I wouldn't be standing there, but it's just, again, when we hide from each other, when we close ourselves off from each other, I'm convinced we close ourselves off from God and God can break through. We we don't get to control him. He gets to do whatever (laughs) he wants to do. He's God, (laughs) but he also lets us very often close ourselves off and miss out on what he has for us. And I think that we miss out when we, when we hide, when we hide in the darkness, when we hide in the volume, when we hide in our fear of expression, um, when we hide in our, in our, um, our silos, when we hide in our broken relationships, um, all the ways that we hide. And so I would just encourage all of you listening today to stop hiding and to, to nurture a culture of worship in your congregation where hiding is not the right thing to do. It can still be a safe place to do. Again, I want to give absolute respect and and space and time for people to heal when they are wounded. I'm not talking about ripping open gaping wounds that people still feel. If a church member has been hurt by another church member, let's give them time to heal and sometimes you have to stand in a corner for a minute to catch your breath and I, a minute is fine. A week is fine. You know, don't let the sun down, go down on your anger. I get all that. But I mean, just like, I'm not talking about pharisaical about it, but let's just give people space to heal, but not to stay segregated once they get healed. I think we miss out, again, on so much more that God wants to do in our gatherings when we hide from each other. Have we said it enough different ways? I think so. I we need each other. We need to be the body. We need to uh, let people see us and give and receive during that time. Yeah. To close with the, with the first Corinthians 12 passage thought, if I am an eye and I am not an ear, then how much am I missing out on when I just walk around being an isolated eye all the time instead of a connected body member? What if you never heard Wouldn't that be awful? I mean, if all you could do is see and you could never hear, especially if you're a musician. I mean, my goodness, we live for this stuff. And you could never hear. What if you could never hear harmony? What if the only voice you could hear was your own voice? Don't you think God would would be sad for you? I I do. and, And I think God would want you to be sad for yourself. So be a part of the body. Turn the lights up. Turn your voice up. 
turn your body up. If your inwards are saying, I got to throw my hands up and praise, then throw your hands up and praise. And if your innards aren't saying that, don't do it. But just be faithful to do on the outside what you are experiencing of God on the inside. And let's do it together. And I think we're going to have greater power, not only in the gathering, but in the living out of our worshipful lives. That's all my I got. My kids would say, yeet. Yeet. I'm not <laughs> probably ever going to say it again, but I got it in once. So that was worth it. Bethany, thank you. You're awesome. I love having these conversations with you. I love the fact that we really are building a tribe of people. I I saw our podcast report um, in my email today. We had more people listening in the last week than we've ever had listened by about triple. So whoever it is that binge listen, thank you for binging and and our numbers up. But please share, (laughs) comment on uh, wherever you see it on social media or Spotify or iTunes, uh, all those places. Um, Just leave a comment leave a rating, share with somebody. If there's a specific content that you feel like somebody else would be encouraged by, my heart is so much to encourage. Bethany's heart is so much to encourage. We just want to encourage all of God's people so that someday it really will be true and every soul will sing. We love you guys. Thanks for listening.